Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. I sat down just last night with Andy Edstrom and Croesus to do an update on what is going on in the crazy world of crypto right now as things seem to be falling apart around that space. We've got the fallout of FTX. Well, all of last year we had Three Arrows Capital, Terra Luna, Celsius, then the fallout of FTX. Then just as recently over this side of the pond, Nexo, uh, an exchange in Bulgaria being um, investigated for people there being arrested as far as I'm, I mean, these stories are evolving all of the time. And then you've got the Winkelvi twins in trouble with the SEC. Surprise, surprise. I wanted to get Andy and Croesus on to talk about this. These are guys that, well, Andy himself has worked a very long career within the financial markets and managing other people's money, has worked for hedge funds. Croesus spent a, a career in uh, consultancy and also is running a fund at the moment. So these guys are actually talking the talk and doing um, the thing, the macro thing. So it's always, and it's just always fun to hang out with these guys and talk about Bitcoin and what's going on. So be, be a fly on the wall. Take a listen to this conversation and um, get yourselves up to speed. Uh, well, you can't. You cannot get yourself up to speed with what's going on out there. It's just ridiculous. So just stack sats and sit back and watch Cryptoland like, just self-destruct. It's unbelievable, really. Stay safe. Stack safe. And Andy will tell you this because he actually works for Swan Bitcoin. Uh, so if you if you want to start a Swan account, go to swanbitcoin.com forward slash bits and that will get you free $10 worth of Bitcoin. Just set up a DCA plan. Or if you are a high net worth individual, you can reach out and speak directly to somebody like Andy who's going to help you understand exactly what you need to understand and talk you through self-custody. It's all about education, 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 as we full well know. So that's Swan Bitcoin. This side of the pond, we have relay that offer those same services as well you can get a private experience with relay if that is what you're looking for if that is what you need don't be shy reach out to me in the dms i'll be able to put you straight in touch with who you need to speak with coin corner are an exchange you can smash by with those guys or set up your auto buy and get yourself a bulk card so you can start spending your sats directly from your coin corner account just as if it were a bank account if you're lucky enough to live in a region where merchants accept Bitcoin, you can just bang your bulk card down there. If you want KYC free sats, you can use a global peer-to-peer trading platform. It's not an exchange, it's a platform. It's just a platform built for plebs to go and interact with each other and swap fiat for Bitcoin. Or swap Bitcoin for fiat if you need to. You know, there's use cases for all of these things. That's HODL, HODL. Hit the link in the show notes. You will save on commissions. Wasabi are a coin join service you can start looking into. 
I'm about to run out of music, guys. I'm trying to rush this one out, but never mind. We'll stick with it. Uh, if you want to up the privacy on your Bitcoin, then you can start considering using a CoinJoin service. If you want to leave your existing stack exactly how it is, fine, do that. If you want to start running coins that you're freshly pulling off of exchanges or apps, um, you could look into a CoinJoin service. So wasabiwallet.io is very easy to use. You just download the desktop software, create a wallet, run some coins through it, do it very slowly at first, like your first Bitcoin transaction, just a little bit, and then you will get comfortable and figure out whether this is a service that you might want to uh, carry on using or whether you might want to go find a different service out there. Shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten is where you need the final piece of all of this puzzle is the cold storage device. You can call it a signing device or a hardware wallet. It doesn't really matter. Not your keys, not your coins. You need one of these devices. There are Bitcoin only devices on the market. Please do your own research. I can recommend the Bitbox 02, which is Bitcoin only, and it is brought to you by shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten. And you will get 5% discount on all of your in-store purchases if you use the code bitten at checkout. Are you meeting other plebs? Are you increasing your social layer of the Bitcoin? Make sure you can uh, reach out to those that are nearest to you. Use the Orange Pill app. It's brand new. It's live on Apple. Matteo's coming on soon. It is about to go live on Android. So get pre-signed up and let's go. Enjoy this rip with Andy and Croesus. We are recording. We're back. We're back with the boys, Andy and Croesus. How you doing? Pretty good. How are you guys doing over there? We're doing good. Yeah, we're we're enjoying life. Yeah, life, life is nice. It's a new year, boys and girls. Uh, up only. All rainbows, all unicorns. It's gonna be great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What what's 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 the year to date stats, Andy? I'm sure you're watching it very closely. Oh, I I haven't actually, other than we had a nice big green candle uh, last week. So I'm sure the year to date number looks great. Uh, I'm I'm pulling it up on Bitbo. One second. I think it's uh, 20 percent plus. It's uh, year to date, ladies and gentlemen. As we record here on the 16th of January, is Bitcoin is up 28.69 percent. 28. Wow. 28%. Love to see it. Well, 29 if we round it up. 29%. It's too well, volatile. It's already, it, <laughs> it's already, uh, it's already echoes of the, the last bear market bottom. I'm not calling that we've necessarily hit bottom, but it was a green candle kind of out of the blue, about 25% or so, I think, in April of uh, 2019. At least that's my recollection. And my favorite question to ask people is, hey, remember what uh, what the catalyst was for the big green candle out of the bear market bottom of 2019? And of course, the answer is there was no catalyst. It just went up. Yeah. Yep. And I was on I was part partially on the sidelines then. So I that that is seared in my memory and the feelings of what it felt like at the bottom. Then I, you know, I are also seared in my memory and i it's been a dead ringer the last few months of uh, a slow transition from from um kind of shock that like we've 
the price keeps going down to a general like waiting for what's the next shoe to drop and when is it going to go down further because surely we're not going up because that doesn't happen here anymore <laughs> uh, and that's how it felt in the, at the bottom of last cycle too is this slow growing conviction that that there's more dropping ahead um and and then the, once that became consensus and i somehow ended up on that side of it um as well that's when it that's when the bottom isn't so andy i think i would i would say that that we have bottomed i would go so far as to say that um just because most people want it to go lower and so it won't you heard it here, people. Croesus has called the bottom of the great bear market of uh, 2022. Almost as brave could... as the space cat. Yeah. When he came out the other day. Not doing it. Um, yeah, of course, I'm, I'm typically wrong about uh, the near term on everything Bitcoin related. So it's not a, not a very good um prediction to put any weight on i think it's got a good shot at being correct but yeah what do you think lauren is bitcoin price going up or down it's going up for how long well forever lauren forever laura forever laura did you have any i mean she was saying before we started that she she She's questioned out for you guys, especially for Andy. Uh, she's, she's questioned I, Andy. I God knows a, how many times. I have a question for Lauren. Mm -hmm. Lauren, what? All right. So it's a new year. It's 2023. What projects are you working on? Or like what new thing are you learning or working, like developing? Or are you, are you excited about something that's coming up? What's going on in your world that you're like working um. on? Oh my gosh. Um, I'm excited about going to the Bitcoin conferences, like Miami and all those other places, because most of them I have, but I haven't been, or I have been and I don't remember it. Or Yeah. So yeah. I'm pretty excited for those. Um, something new. Are you going to do some interviews there? Um, I don't think so. I don't know. I, I guess we'll see. Sounds if like you, you will be. It's yeah. time to start planning. You could be, Lauren, if you if you choose to. People would line up to be interviewed by you. I would I would love to be interviewed by you. Whatever questions you come up with. Me too. Thank you. We're game. You got your first two interviews in the bag, or we could do do a do it all together. Do you remember what I said earlier about you can ask him any question? Oh yeah. Go on then. Um Come on, I, gave you, <laughs> I even gave you some examples. <laughs> but that what that just was throw, just go with it. Just go with it. Dramatic okay. pause. Go with it. Okay. Uh, what did you guys get for Christmas? Hmm. <laughs> I, the the present that I was most excited about getting was uh, um, a, like a, a blue carbon steel wok because I didn't have a wok. And 
And I realized when I was most excited about opening a, uh, a effectively a pan, <laughs> that I surely have uh, turned into an adult. <laughs> yeah, kitchenware. Kitchenware is really exciting stuff for uh, for the for the now married Croesus. Yep. <laughs> I got a bright orange version of this same shirt uh of this under armor shirt and uh it's bright bitcoin orange and i freaking love it andy you also had a vacation to go with that yeah that? that's right <laughs> that's right we we talked we talked about that and uh i went to maui uh family had a phenomenal time uh we had i can't remember it's five nights i think and i had a, a one glorious beautiful day by the ocean in the pool, you know, twice to the beach, once in the, in the pool, it was uh, warm and sunny. Uh, the view of the Kanapali coast, you can see um, Lanai and Molokai and there were whales, you know, spouting in the ocean. And then the second day I got a bad stomach bug and the rest oh, of the trip, <laughs> no. I was in bed. That's <laughs> awful. So I'm already planning my next vacation because I didn't really get a vacation. Uh, but the family had a great time and uh, we'll go back. Maybe we'll go back. Uh, we'll go back next year. I'll get another shot at it. That happened to me on a trip to Cabo. Uh, ice or something got me, ruined the trip. It'll happen. Um, it actually happened to me once before on a, it felt like norovirus, you know, type of thing, which I had had probably six years ago on a different trip to Napa, uh, met some New York friends up there. We got a great house and uh, there I had like two good days and, um, and then it got uh, gnarly. And uh, that time though, other members of my family got it. My son uh, were flying back. Uh, we're at the Sonoma airport and we're in the, uh, we're in the airport waiting to board the flight and my son projectile vomits onto the guy next to us. He only got his shoes, fortunately. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a that was a fun one. And I think what ended up happening. So we didn't. Oh, and he got it on himself, of course, obviously. And I'm trying to remember how it went. I, my recollection is my wife was wearing a vest. She was wearing a shirt and a vest. So she ended up peeling the shirt. She like went to the bathroom, took it off, and then just went vest only. Gave him the shirt, uh, and uh, so that's how we flew home uh, from from Sonoma at the end of that uh, slightly ill-fated family trip. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. Oh, we times. got some stories like that, don't we, Lauren? <laughs> I don't know, but me and Samuel were pretty young, and we were in line, and we were gonna board. And then me and Samuel, we were just like, we need to puke. And my mom's like, what? Now? And then they're like, yeah. And then she had to go. And then I think like she had to ask someone to like get puke bags or like her get some puke bags. Yeah. yeah. I don't think, did we? I don't know. Yeah, you did. Yeah. No, oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> you made it to the bags though. You managed to hold out for the bags. That's good. Yeah. Whenever I get the, get the feeling, uh, I rarely have much time to prepare. 
I didn't. I didn't. I mean, this. This. Look, you see. You see what happens, Lauren. All you have to do is ask one question, and you end up with with, with these kind of crazy stories. You ask, "What did you get for Christmas?" And we've ended up with uh, with, with puking stories in airports. And uh, the worst time it happened to us was when Samuel was about to projectile vomit because he he picked up some kind of gastro virus when we were traveling through Australia. And I look around, and the only thing. Uh, we were going through the um, security thing, right? The the metal detector. So I just picked up one of those big empty trays and just put it right underneath him. He filled the thing. <laughs> <laughs> everyone was like, what is going on? Yeah, it's Love fine. to see Don't it. Worry. He's going to be good. Quincy, he's going to be good. Quincy, do you have like, do you have some memories of like, of certain times when you were like, ah, I should, I need, I can't keep doing this job. Or like I need to get out of this profession because one of the one of the defining moments for me in management consulting when I was like this is not long term a happy life uh, was at the end of a of a week on the road getting on the plane um, I got my sandwich you know and, and that's my dinner that's my one little moment to myself after you know wall to wall working all week. Uh, and I'm eating my sandwich in, uh, you know, on the aisle seat and there's a family next to me. Um, and then the kids start puking into, into the barf bags <laughs> while I'm eating the sandwich, <laughs> uh, wrap up the sandwich and throw it away. And yeah. there goes my, my one moment to myself, my little bit of happiness in that, in that job. And I realized I, I couldn't do this for long. Yeah. Oh, too too many, mate. Too many, far too many to even uh, start going into. But cards. Uh, but to, just just to circle this back around to what Chris has got for Christmas, I got a cast iron pan, and I was very nice. excited about it. So yeah. Do you have wait. the whole set of sizes, or do you you just nope. have like a one? We started yeah. with a one small one, and just getting used to uh, cooking with it. And uh, yeah, it it's a bitch to do any kind of eggs in. I've got to figure out how to do that. It doesn't work. Okay. No, no, tried? no on the eggs. No. The, the recent thing that we've been doing that we're excited about with the cast iron is doing like a reverse sear for steak, mm -hmm. which is like a new horizon for me. Andy, you might be this might be your bread and butter. I don't know. But uh you like we have a little toaster oven you can set to like 200 Fahrenheit to 250 Fahrenheit and um cook the steak there and then and then you put it in the cast iron pan just for you know, like a minute on each side and to give it that crisp, um, on the surface, but it's like, it's a, it's a good way to have like a reliable rare or the whole way through. Um, so it's been a hit. So try that out. All right. I'm down. That's a good tip. That's a good tip. My cast iron skillet is in use as we speak. I got, uh, some bacon and Brussels sprouts on, uh, on low cooking uh, while we chat here that's that's lunch boys and girls love it love it all right lauren do you want to say good night yep anyways bye good night goodbye. great to see you lauren sleep yeah, tight thank you all right guys well we uh yeah we wanted to make a kind of a thing of this because we want to get like a little bit of macro thinking going from people that are actually in the macro markets and and watching them rather than uh you know random people drawing lines on charts and posting them on twitter as much as we love those guys too 
Everyone's a macro guy. <laughs> I'm game. I'm game to do this regularly as long as we can uh, pepper in some vomit stories each time. I'm I'm good. <laughs> that will be top of the list, of course. Each each episode, new vomit stories. Uh, but where, where do we where do we want to start? What's the um, what's the what's the arc we want to take this? What what's on the front of our minds? We have a little list in our DMs here. Uh, anything in particular? one of you wants to start with oh man well i guess we already started uh started talking price you mentioned uh scaramucci mm-hmm. i have uh <laughs> i don't know if i mentioned this before i probably did but when he launched when skybridge launched the skybridge bitcoin fund which was i don't know kind of made made the headlines uh, when it came out two years ago almost exactly two years ago probably um he invited he did this like info session webinar thing and he invited me on and uh and in retrospect i i don't know maybe i regret that uh, invitation because i was helping him sell uh <laughs> sell his product but uh, this is before swan had a product of course for advisors so so uh yeah they've uh they've had a little bit of a, a tough sled in uh in crypto of course, more and more products came online uh, as we got into the bull market. Um, those alternative products, including the Skybridge Fund, were in one of the major reasons that GBTC flipped from a premium to a discount, right? Because there was all these alternative products. You didn't have to buy GBTC. And uh, so began the saga that we've all lived for the last uh, couple of years here in Bitcoin. Scaramucci also used a, a quote from Andy in a deck. Uh, uh-huh. It's a good one. Here it is. It's this is the one asset class in modern history where average people have have had a shot at it before companies and before hedge funds and before billionaires. That window may be ending. From Andy, says, I can't believe you have that at your fingertips. <laughs> yeah, yep. it warms my heart. Your <laughs> kind soul. He has that committed to memory. It's on the back of the toilet door. So whenever he's in there alone, the he's post right. it here. <laughs> oh man. Well, yeah. we 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 probably, and I can't believe we didn't put this on the list, but we let's talk some SEC and Gemini. Oh yeah, wow. It it it's remarkable how this entire generation of companies all made some cardinal mistake of of getting too clever and getting and creating securities fundamentally when they you know when they should have known better uh and and then engaging in the daisy chain of leverage with knowingly or unknowingly you know, they're lending to somebody else who's lending further out on the risk curve to somebody else in order to get their their return. Um, and it's, it seems like every single one of these companies was doing something. Obviously, the like BlockFi's and Celsius and um, Terra Luna and Three Arrows Capital have already and already had their reckoning, and, and now FTX has had its reckoning. Um, and now Genesis and Gemini, um, Genesis being part of the DCG um, and Grayscale company, Barry Silbert's empire, um, they're all they're all 
having the shoe drop, which is, it's kind of incredible to me that like the, none of them seem to be able to stay the course or, you know, avoid the siren song of getting more Mm -hmm. the greed of crypto. Um, All Barry had to do was just, you know, create a, a nice wall around GBTC and collect uh, 10,000 Bitcoin a year in management fees. And he, he wanted more. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Winklevoss That's it. as well. That's right? it. Yeah. And the Winklevoss says they already I mean, have 70,000 Bitcoin. They don't need to do anything. They should be involved in, you know, I don't know, charities at this point. And instead they're creating an unlicensed security and the SEC doesn't like that. Amen. Amen. Chris, you nailed it. Um, this is this is Tyler's recent tweet, right? Quote, it's disappointing that the SEC chose to file an action today as or as Gemini and other creditors are working hard together to recover fu- funds. Right. My response. You're right. It's unfortunate they filed that today. They should have sued you much, much earlier, <laughs> like yeah. two years ago. Yes. <laughs> Andy, what 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 it blew me away from that tweet when I saw it, and it's like a I don't know multi part thread. I can't maybe it goes down seven or eight um, paragraphs uh, tweets. Excuse me, and that yep <laughs> that sits right underneath his pinned tweet, which reads. Ethereum staking is now live on Gemini. <laughs> like, dude, at least remove the pinned tweet, you doofus. Like, <laughs> you're trying to defend yourself under the smoking gun, and it's still there. Scroll up. Look at look at his Twitter. It's still there. It's unbelievable. And I don't think... Is it complete stupidity, or is it complete hubris like what is it or is it something in the middle is it a mix of both i I think these these heroes that people look up to that are you know these very successful people they haven't figured out bitcoin yet they've figured out that there's something in digital assets and they're they're still stuck in you know what i was in several years ago of like oh i should have a diversified portfolio of crypto assets and bitcoin will be an anchor there and then Oh, I'm interested in these other things. Scaramucci is talking right now at um, at Davos about how he's bullish on Bitcoin, but he's into Ethereum and Solana and Algorand too, which means that he doesn't actually fully get Bitcoin, even though you know his he seems to he seems to get it, and yet he wants to be involved in these other things too, and then it's a question of like, okay, is that is that because he thinks that he, it's a calculated gamble of, all right, well, Bitcoin is what I really should own long term, but I think I can get just a little extra juice out of a pump in crypto and, and then you know turn that into, into Bitcoin holdings, which is intelligent and um, deceptive and you know morally, ethically ambiguous, um, if not downright bad. <laughs> Um, it's like, bad. It's worse than <laughs> ambiguous. Yeah, but but these these characters in in the Winklevi too when they're when they were trying to orange pill Dave Portnoy from 
um, bar school. <laughs> and they were talking about just like crypto and digital assets are the future. And they, they, they were smart enough in 2011 to understand the thesis of Bitcoin as digital gold. And they made that bet very early on. It was an incredible bet. They, I, they, I don't know, they put in like $10 million or something like that into Bitcoin and nailed it. Digital gold was the right, was a sufficient thesis for them to crush it there. But they never fully understood Bitcoin. They understood it enough to understand the digital gold thesis. Like, oh, it's, it's going to be like gold, but in the digital space. That, that was good enough for them. And it's still good enough now. Like if, if you're trying to wrap your head around Bitcoin and you don't get the like Bitcoin maximalist, like hyper Bitcoinization thing yet, but you can wrap your head around digital gold. Digital gold is a $500,000 per, per Bitcoin sort of outcome, which is obviously way north of where we are today. So you, sh you should be buying based on that if you, if you can wrap your head around digital gold. And that's enough to, to be bullish on Bitcoin, but, it's not a, but it doesn't mean you fully understand Bitcoin. And that's where the Winklevi are and people like Scaramucci are still. So it's kind of incredible that like these, these very visible proponents of cryptocurrencies in the, in the I don't, mainstream finance media, they themselves don't actually fully get Bitcoin. They get, they get enough about Bitcoin to be bullish on Bitcoin generally as maybe, maybe as digital gold, maybe just as, you know, oh, digital money has a future. Um, but they don't get why Bitcoin only, the inevitability of a shelling point in money, um, how proof of work is the real innovation, and none of these other things can offer that, that digital scarcity is a one-time phenomenon. And every time you create a copy of a digitally scarce system, that incremental copy has no scarcity because you can always create more copies, which is what all coins are. Um, how is it that they don't get that, that extra little layer and I think part of that is you have to go so much deeper into learning about money and the history of money. You got to read the Bitcoin standard and, and really humble yourself and cast out what has, what has allowed you to be successful in your finance career and, you know, believing that you have it figured out and you have an edge. You have to be able to throw that out. And people like Scaramucci who have made a billion dollars in the conventional system are not about to do that. So I want to add, I agree with everything you said, Creases, except I want to add one more category. So you had two categories, right? One is the guys who didn't do the work to get to the bottom of the rabbit hole or as close to the bottom as one can get. There's no bottom, yeah. as we know. Um, <laughs> and then two is, yeah, they're just outright scammers. The guys who are like, well, I know I can, I know I can uh, ride the pump, make some extra value, you know, here, trade it back into Bitcoin later. Um, so, you know, I'm going to pursue that route. I think there's a third route, which is the guys who were early, who didn't quite get conviction that Bitcoin was the thing. And, you know, perhaps reasonably, you know, if it was like five years ago, which it was for these guys or six years ago, and then they opened a business, which is a multi coin, multi asset business. And now they've realized Bitcoin is the thing, but now they're fiduciaries for a multi coin business. And so if you're a fiduciary, which you are as senior management for a for a crypto asset business, uh yeah, you're you're in a tough spot even if you don't believe in the rest of the crypto assets or the 
vast majority of them because you have shareholders, you are duty bound to serve those shareholders to maximize the value of the enterprise. And uh, if being an altcoin casino maximizes the uh, the value of the enterprise, well, you're legally bound to uh, to do so. And that's another issue that I think some of these guys face. Now, look, that's that's no defense. I mean, if you've figured out the truth, uh, you know, you got to walk away from uh, from unethical uh, activities if you have a conscience. Um, and so I'm not saying it's an excuse, but I think it's perhaps a third category of uh, where some of these early guys who got into Bitcoin and or crypto are sitting these days. I'm not sure if you guys have read um, Bitcoin Billionaires by Ben Meserick. Uh, you know, this, yep, this have. could come back to hurt these guys. They understood self-custody. If, if they didn't understand Bitcoin 100%, which, you know, yeah. who can at the end of the day, especially if you're that early, you, you would never have seen it. But they understood because there's a scene in the book where it talks about them smashing up the um, the printing machines because they were print making copies of their seed words and they shouted them all up and flew around all of the country safety deposit boxes. So they understood self-custody well enough to be that freaking crazy about it, taking sledgehammers to printing machines, like, you know, to your printer, but then offering yield on shit coins on your, you know, give us your coins, we'll look after them and we'll give you six and a half percent. Nothing makes sense. Nothing. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it as Krisa said, it's greed, um, greed plus uh, you got to build, uh, you got to build the business um, if you have any outside shareholders, and even those guys who I who I think I think Gemini is probably fairly closely held, but I know they've raised outside capital. I know, uh, I know one unfortunate soul who uh, who did who was in like the latest funding round. I th- I think the last round was at like an eight billion dollar valuation. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah yeah for that business i mean i think today coinbase is probably in the ballpark of of eight billion and coinbase is a you know much bigger business uh than uh than gemini but anyhow um yeah there's no limit to uh, human greed so let's say worst case scenario sec what do they do is it just gonna like this is a fine and walk away and carry on, guys, or close down? Yeah, I mean, like, so what, that's what? an interesting legal question. So there's legal precedent, like you know, what's the worst of you know securities law violations? Uh, have people gone to prison for securities law violations? Yeah, you you betcha. Um, not usually those uh, with as high a profile as uh, as these guys. I suppose I'm not a lawyer. I suppose if you looked at the facts and circumstances, you'd say, okay, well, yeah, it was a major product for them. Yes, it was close to a billion dollars. On the other hand, it wasn't their primary or you know core product. Um, I guess what was the extent of the deceit? I think those who go to jail, you know, mostly it's cases of outright fraud, right? It's the it's the S- the SBF cases where you took the money. And then you did something with it that wasn't anywhere remotely what you said you were doing with the money. Uh, I think in their defense, you know, in terms of the extreme cases or the extreme outcomes or what liability they might be facing, you know, I guess they actually took the coins probably and 
and did what they sort of kind of sort of said they were going to do, although maybe they didn't reflect the extent of the risks. Now, if they didn't do a proper securities disclosure, which apparently they didn't, okay, then then you got a disclosure problem. I I doubt they go to jail. My guess is they pay a fine. Um, but yeah, that'd be my two cents on it. What do you think, Croesus? What's what, what's going to be for the Winklevi? Yeah, probably that. Probably a, a hefty fine. But would um, they have to delist those things that now are deemed securities, i.e., everything but Bitcoin? Well, I think they. I think that the SEC is particularly um, upset about what's it called Gemini Earn. Mm -hmm. um, so the the yield staking um, mm -hmm. product, and I don't even know what how that product is structured, but obviously the. <laughs> they will get rid of that product. Um, and, and I don't know if that just, that means that Gemini will no longer offer staking on their platform. Maybe that's, you know, a route that they'll go. Um, I think it does. I think it, it's a long overdue for the SEC to say, um, crypto exchanges, you guys can't just willy nilly, uh, offer these these products that look and smell like securities in terms of generating yield. Um, even though it, this is happening in the broader ecosystem, you as companies are you know are going to be held to a different standard than these decentralized protocols can be. Uh, um, so far, at least, and obviously, I think that the SEC should have gone after pretty much every altcoin already, but uh, this seems like the Gemini is and Genesis are, are being made an example of mm -hmm. um, in terms of trying to firm up the, where the boundary is in terms of what companies can and can't offer, um, you know, in this w wider ecosystem of exotic <laughs> looks and smells like a security um, crypto asset products. Yeah, it does. It to, yeah, it does feel as though they are going to be made an example of. Like this is the one firm that's been now fingered by the SEC to really drive home a point. Um, whereas really, it should be FTX if, if you're going to use any poster child. So yeah, why not? FTX? Yeah, may maybe they would have. <laughs> except for the fact that there was a much bigger problem there <laughs> just a 10 billion dollar theft uh going on at ftx um, well i like the i like your you guys's idea about the you know will they force them to come to the table i mean so gensler's been on record multiple times over i don't know a couple of years now saying uh hey crypto exchanges you know you guys should come register with us cuz there's no way that everything you've listed is not a security, uh, but not, but it hasn't happened yet. Okay. So, and then the question is, well, why haven't they sued these guys yet? And the answer, my answer, I mean, my answer is twofold. One is, you know, they build up over time, right? They win the small cases and they use the precedent and then they bring bigger cases. Um, but the other issue of course, is that they're unwilling to lose, right? One of these things one of the things about these guys, these prosecutors at every level, really in government, is they 
refuse to take the chance of losing a case. So they only take the ironclad cases and they spend years building these cases, right? They they gather every shred of possible evidence, you know, it takes them a couple of years. So they're certain that they're going to win. And this is why it takes so long for the wheels of justice to, to grind here. But I like the, uh, you know, it's an interesting idea to use to use the Gemini urn case and say, you know, if I'm Gensler and say, okay, uh, Winklevi, I got you by the balls with this one. Uh, <laughs> time to come to the table, right? You know, time to come register, you know, basically let's cut a deal. And then once there's a precedent there of a U.S. domiciled major crypto exchange actually registering with the SEC, then maybe the others will fall into line. You know, then Gensler can declare victory. You know, look, I got all these guys basically to register under my auspices um, at the federal level. And, uh, you know, what a great outcome. Um, and thank you. Uh, thank you all. And I look forward to my Treasury Secretary uh, seat. That's upcoming. exactly where it's going. Absolutely. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that's the way this could go. Would not well, surprise looks- me at all. Or he looks forward to his uh, advisory role on the board of uh, of Gemini. <laughs> classic revolving door. The classic revolving door. Yeah, I mean, I would, nothing would uh, nothing would uh, surprise me in that regard. The one thing he does have going for him, though, is he's already rich. I mean, he doesn't need the money, um, right? We didn't think the Winklevoss um, did either. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's, true. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Yeah. Clown world's going to clown world. Um, Yeah, like, I know, man. Is is this the year? Is is 2023 the year where if this securities law is, you know, nailed down, how do, as a shitcoin casino, and you're watching this, and then all of a sudden, all of, they're all basically labeled uh, unregistered securities, You've either got to register and get turned down, and that's a lengthy and costly process, or you have to delist, like overnight, and screw your customer base. Are there any other options? Yeah, it's bad. It's bad alternatives. It's the menu of bad alternatives, right? At least bad alternatives uh, for the token holders. Exactly, guys. Just convert to Bitcoin and self-custody, I think is what we're trying to say. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's definitely what we're trying to say. I don't know <laughs> if it gets resolved. I mean, I think you said this year. This stuff takes so much time. Um, I would love it if it would get resolved uh, sooner rather than later. But um, yeah, I just I don't know if it will. And there yeah. is the added complication of, <laughs> unfortunately, there are these Bitcoin forks that are truly uh you know their only money um they arose out of a mining process you know rather than an ico uh i probably won't name any names it's a harder case you know it's a harder case to make against a couple of these other assets tokens whatever you want to call them cryptos so yeah i don't know if all of them will meet the standard of being a security under us law unfortunately yeah. Yeah, it's it's messy for for them for the regulars. They're trying to figure out, they're trying to wrap their heads around what's going on here, and then figure out 
which is which are the lowest hanging fruit here in terms of where do we draw the line and i think like gemini urn is probably the lowest hanging fruit for the, for them over the last six months or whatever you know whatever time they've been focused on this as the next target for them but you know i think that we have to remember that U.S. regulators are, I think, wisely following some of the learned wisdom from uh, the U.S.'s uh, success with the internet. And the U.S. is the native home of the internet and the internet companies, because in the '90s, um, lawmakers took like a deliberate choice of let's let's provide very loose guide rails for what's allowed and what's not allowed in terms of internet companies and let's just allow this thing to develop and then we'll figure out the regulation more clearly later but for now innovation is happening and we want it to happen here we don't want we don't want china japan france to be the native home of the internet economy. Um, we want it to happen in the US. And, and that was a very successful strategy. And you know, that's why that's why Google is here um, instead of in, in Japan. Uh, and they are, I think they're right to want to copy paste that rough approach to crypto because innovation is happening. And they want it to happen here and they want the, the economic benefits of that to accrue to the US. Um, and that comes with allowing snake oil salesmen a little bit longer leash than they probably should, than they should have. Um, but that's how you know the frontier is developed. It's it's uh, entrepreneurs adding value and it's entrepreneurs scamming value away from people, but in aggregate. Um, you want you want to be leading that overall development arc. So you know, I I hesitate to say this, but I think that the collateral damage that happens with crypto and people getting scammed out of money um, because they are you know duped into believing Terra Luna is a you know a, a good place for their savings. Um, I think that collateral damage is offset by the strategic, the geopolitical significance of being innovation friendly for this next era of, you know, the digital revolution that we're living through. So shit coins yeah. are good for Bitcoin. It's what Creases is trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I guess I'm, what I'm saying is that you want, you want the Bitcoin, you want the companies that actually add value and that's whether that's in Bitcoin or Ethereum, you know, or whatever. Like, if there's a if there's a use case where a digital currency can provide real lasting value, then that should happen in the U.S. Yeah, I think that's the stance you have to take as a as a regulator because they 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 nobody can predict. Like, you couldn't have predicted in in that you know 1990 that. Uh, Google was going to come around, you know, not really like, you know, maybe in, in some, some out there, uh, thinker was going to see that, but 
your typical regulators and lawmakers, they weren't going to come up with that. So, so the best thing you can do is just allow the innovation to happen and encourage it to happen here. Um, and yeah. so in this case, that, that includes Ethereum um, and whatever other altcoin bullshit <laughs> goes on. Um, and eventually they'll figure out that it's, it's the Bitcoin businesses that we uh, allowed to grow here um, that actually added value. And thank goodness we did that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you completely. Um, and even as much or more than the, you know, than the corporate flowers blooming, uh, you know, is, is the individual use. Um, there was serious discussion back in whenever it was the eighties, uh, about requiring an FCC broadcast license, right. To host a website. And that has nothing to do with companies. I mean, it it does have to do with companies because many of these internet giants are companies and they host websites. But it also was about you know the individual's right to use individuals' uh, right to to post content. You know, basically avoid uh, censorship and avoid having to have this huge uh, regulatory burden and cost uh, that that an FCC license uh, involves. And uh, I think you can make the same argument, you know, for self-custody wallets as an example, right? Like, do I have, does the individual have a right to use this nascent technology without undue regulatory burden, you know, let alone prohibition? And um, yeah, I, I agree that uh, the early development of the internet in terms of regulation um, is is very important precedent. And also, uh, last the last one we've had FTX. Now we've had uh, Gemini and Nexo on on this side of the pond. And uh, just a little a little read here. Prosecutors announced on Friday that four people associated with crypto trading platform Nexo have been charged with being part of an organized crime ring for money laundering, tax fraud, computer crimes. God knows. I mean, that's pretty broad. Computer crimes and unlicensed banking which again is going to be some kind of yield product, I'm assuming, uh, that operated from 2018 until last Thursday. These guys are on the run. Like, Oh, they're on the run now? Yeah. Oh, wow. So uh, there's a... <laughs> is, it, is that the... That company is... is it, are they based in Bulgaria? I'm trying to remember. Yes. I'd never Somewhere heard of Bulgaria. this company at all. I'd, I'd only I'd heard of them because Bankless. So Bankless is the the biggest right. crypto the, podcast. The crypto podcast. And, yeah. and who was shilling of, them? As of December, um, they were running ads for crypto mm. for for Nexo and being paid two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a month to do that. Whoa! Whoa. Yeah. If you if you, oh it's such God. a it's it's such a good rule of thumb. Like if you're being if you're hearing an ad for a product that um you know it, <laughs> where it's a little bit questionable like what's the value of this product um then it, then it's a scam <laughs> you know like like why is nexo what is nexo really doing for people why does nobody really use it and why am i being told about it on the largest crypto podcast in the world Oh, it's because it's a scam, and they're paying them a, a bunch of money to be their marketing arm. <laughs> and uh, you know, some of the old rules still do apply. Uh, 
in the world of finance and scams, like U.S.-based companies are, on average, more trustworthy than Eastern European-based companies, for example. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to all the Eastern European uh, audience whom uh, whom we love dearly. But like, you know, ladies and gentlemen, buy your tickets for BTC Prague, where Andrew Edstrom <laughs> is going to be headlining. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, exactly. It's varying degrees too. I mean, I'd put more stock in in Prague, you know, in Czech Republic, than I would in Bulgaria, Bulgaria yeah. as an example. Um, just a story on Bulgaria. Um, <laughs> many years ago. In my former career, former job, working at a hedge fund, you know, doing, uh, making various investments. And this was not my deal, but it, it was a sizable deal that the firm did was there was a privatization of the state-owned telecom company, right? This is a common thing that happened in all the former, former USSR, former Soviet bloc countries. You know, the USSR broke down. So they split off. They had all these um, state-owned assets. They sold them to the public, um, often at way below market prices, right? So that the cronies, uh, cronies of government, could get rich buying assets on the cheap. Nevertheless, um, so the Bulgarian telecom company was one of these assets that got sold. It actually got bought. I think not in the maybe in the initial deal, but subsequently got bought by. Wait for it, AIG. <laughs> it was a consortium actually of uh US and western based companies insurance companies private equity firms that that bought this thing needless to say the deal did not go well um but um but I'll never forget one of my former bosses partner at the firm went for a meeting to the government attaché I don't remember if it was the regulator it was just some guy who he was told it was important to meet. And of course, the you know, so, you know, partner shows up well-dressed in a suit and tie. And this guy, his counterpart over in uh, Bulgaria that he's meeting with, shows up in the classic, like, gangster track suit. Track right? suit. Shows up in the track suit. <laughs> and uh, that kind of set the set the tone for the, for the whole thing. Yeah. That's awesome. Bulgarian telecom deal uh, did not turn, uh, did not end up turning out well, I love the it. dedication to track and field in Eastern Europe. You know, <laughs> really a bunch of athletes over there. <laughs> must be very fit. They must be in very good shape, except for they all chain smoke, right? It runs deep. I'm going to get in trouble making all these generalizations. I'm going to have uh, Eastern yeah. European gangsters after me. You really are in track suits, nonetheless. Uh, yeah, you'll be able to hear them coming. All that rustling. <laughs> Chris, on our list, you you wanted to add uh, about um, 3AC. So the oh, Three yeah. Arrows Capital well, founders. So this is the like, okay, considering what we've just discussed for the first 45 minutes of this conversation, what are these dudes trying to do? They are, they are trying to create the next generation of put your money here and get in, get allocated to all sorts of different crypto scams and yield products and whatever um so that the founders of 3ac now the founders of the latest crypto exchange 
can collect fees on every stupid decision that you are lured into by the founders of 3AC. Um, and that's how they can make their next fortune. So we've got crypto funds falling over left and right, being hauled in front of the SEC. And we have these guys that were at the uh, the very forefront um, that they had big money in uh, in FTX, if I'm not mistaken, and had already blown up with Celsius as well, right? Was that the first thing that they were caught up in? 3AC? Yeah. They, boy, uh, if I recall... I'm not sure if they were in Celsius. Yeah. Was, I, was it Terra? They, they were big time underwater on the GBTC arbitrage trade. They were the number one holders of GBTC. Huh. Um so they plowed a bunch of money in that when there was a premium and then they, and then suddenly that premium evaporated and it was a discount. And then they had their money stuck there cause they didn't want to pull it out at a discount. Um, then they got really screwed by um, the Terra Luna stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and they hadn't done their diligence enough to not trust Do Kwan and this promise of you know, <laughs> infinite yield. Uh, there's always yield so long as you're playing with the levers. Um, so those guys, you know, they are now trying to raise $25 million of seed funding for the, the for now that there's a, a void in the market left by FTX, they would like to, you know, move right in there and, and uh, create the similar business. The, the current, um, current placeholder name they have is GTX. Stop it. No joke. Stop it. What? <laughs> Seriously? Yep. They're going to call oh, come it GTX. On. It's oh such my! A, it's such an obvious play of oh, uh, the big, the the big, shady organization collecting fees from everyone dabbling in altcoins suddenly went under. So now there's a big vacuum in that segment of the market, and we can move in with a similarly named brand and become that. Um, that's what Ooh, we need. Uh, we need another offshore fraud, another yeah, offshore, an offshore fraud, fraud. major multi-billion dollar offshore fraud exchange. Well, maybe <laughs> maybe this will be the deal that actually gets them uh, their yachts, you know, because they almost got them. Um, they, commissioned, they commissioned that yacht. I don't think it ever got finished. I don't think they ever took possession. They were are so you, close. Are you not getting Austin Powers flashbacks here? He's like, we're going to start with preparation FTX. Then if that <laughs> fails, we'll move to preparation GTX. <laughs> Surely, yeah, preparation H, TX is TX is that it's gonna be the winner. This is so retarded. You're gonna, like you're gonna need preparation H if you do business. Yeah. With these guys. <laughs> there he goes. I'll I'll look. It. I'll I'll knock him in. I'll I'll pass him over to you, Andy. You knock him in. <laughs> and and the sad thing is that this might generate a lot of wealth for them and their investors. It, it could work. Um, if you're going in with this, so clearly this naked strategy of, we want to collect fees on, on you know, hype, hyped altcoins and, and pull in people who don't know enough to just stack sats. Uh, and that's their business if model. They, you know, if they pay the right people to promote them. I mean, it's, it's a little bit like the Mr. Blunderful, uh, right? Mr. Wonderful, uh, I can't Kevin remember his name. Shark Tank out. Yes, Kevin O'Leary. You know, if you pay him enough money, FTX paid him, I don't know, 10 or 20 million or something to be a promoter. 
they'll just they'll do it come hell or high water though they won't say anything bad about you well if you have somewhat of some amount of stash i don't believe any of these guys these scammers who you know whether it's sbf or the three ac guys or anyone else i don't believe any of these guys when they say oh you know we don't have we don't have any money stashed away come on dude i'm sure are you really that stupid and okay maybe they some of them were that stupid but um, but likely they've got some stash so they can afford to pay for some uh, for some press, pay for some promoters. And yeah, the world is full of gullible people. There's a sucker born every day. And uh, if a little bit of time passes, you know, there's got to be some seam, some untapped seam of fools out there who uh, who will write them enough checks basically to get the thing off uh, off the ground. I'm not saying it'll work, but it wouldn't shock me if it did. When I say work, I mean work, work being success being defined as they raise money to do with it as they please. Yes. Successfully harvest people's exactly. savings. What's the what them. what's the excuse for some for a company like Sequoia Capital though? Hmm. That's a great question. It is a great question. It's amazing how they scrubbed it. They they just like a month before put out this glowing piece about SBF as like a, you know, once in a generation, you can just tell he's got it. He's the special sauce. We just, we know, we know startups and we know this guy's got it. Um, they put out a piece like that a month before the collapse and then scrubbed that from the internet. So go find it. Cause it's out there. You know, once you try to scrub it, it becomes permanent. Um, and yeah, I mean, <laughs> Sequoia is subject to the same problems that everyone else when dealing with crypto is subject to. They, they are trying to figure out what they believe and they are simultaneously and in parallel trying to figure out how to make money. So it's kind of hard to know who at Sequoia has figured out that Bitcoin is the only thing that matters. Maybe, maybe some of them, maybe none of them. Um, and who who has believe who has figured out that you can make money um, selling picks and shovels in crypto? Certainly, Sequoia as an institution has figured that out because I think they are part of Coinbase. Um, they may not be, but um, you know, there's money being being made on crypto exchanges, so that that makes sense. Uh, and they're they. <laughs> They're also in the VC community watching um, A16Z make a killing, basically participating in pump and dumps uh, of different coins like Solana. Matt um, Wong. Matt Wong was a junior partner at Sequoia. He left. He joined um, co Coinbase co-founder. Uh, what's the guy's name? Um, is Armstrong's co-founder partner? The two of them, you know, who probably yeah, neither yeah. of them is over the age of 35, started Paradigm. They raised multiple billions and they're doing, you know, they're 30 something year old guys yeah. who raised multiple billions doing uh, altcoin deals. Yeah, that, I mean, that's just that's the proof you need to know that if you if you don't have the insider information, if you're not part of. The, these backroom conversations, finding out what's going to be pumped and what's going to be dumped. Um, you know, at an institutional scale like this, then you are, you are, you know, at the blackjack table 
with, Mm -hmm. you know, below 50% odds of winning every, every day. Um, and, and these guys have stacked the deck so that they know that they have an edge. They've created an edge for themselves. Um, you know, by, by figuring out where they can legally do this, what they can and can't legally do. And their whole, the whole thesis is to take money from people by, you know, owning a big allocation of anything and then pumping that thing up and hyping it up, whether that's an exchange or an actual crypto asset project, um, and then selling at the top. (laughs) So, you know, the incentives here for the VC community are, are pretty clear. Um, and it's make money by using your weight as, you know, the gorilla in technology investing, like as an industry, you, you guys, VC has clout connections, money, they can, they can create this game and they can take money from people who do not have these advantages. And that's what they have done in the last round. And that's what they're going to keep doing until, uh, until people wise up or the SEC um, says, all right, we, we can't do this anymore. And because the VCs are, are clever about how they do it, they're not egregious in their deception or their you know, exploitation of the rules or their leverage or position. So it, they won't be flagrant and they won't give the SEC much reason to come down on them. So unfortunately, it's, it's up to people to learn the lesson that pretty much every Bitcoiner has learned um, that you can only trust Bitcoin because there's nobody who can, who can manipulate Bitcoin. Um, and that's a simple lesson and it's a really hard one to learn. And people, myself included, have to burn their hand on the stove a couple times. <laughs> and then it's you figure good lesson. it out. Painful then, lesson. Yeah. We're, we're all just, we're all just children in digital assets. You know, we, we haven't had the life experience. So as a society, as a collective, we are, we have the collective experience of children Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to thinking about and dealing in digital assets and children hit, you know, hit puberty soon. Which is what Um, I hate about this generational bullshit crisis, right? Because like it, it, it smashed all of that kind of thesis out. Like, no, we are the same generation now. Everybody alive on this planet right now is the same generation with regards to, you know, what's going on with this uh, overhaul of the monetary system and digital scarcity, increasing digital scarcity. Like, what? There is no boomer in that world. There is no Gen Z in that world. We're all the damn same. That's true. Although there there are people who haven't been paying attention to crypto, still haven't, and will start doing their homework on it to crypto. I'm using in quotation marks. Yeah. Start doing their homework on it next year and the year after, and they won't have lived through all these events. And some of them will make all the same, <laughs> all the same mistakes. <sighs> yeah. Unfortunately, I have two things to to add about Sequoia because yeah. it's kind of a special case. Um, the first is um, the nature of the VC business, as you guys know, is it's very hit driven and it's all about access. And so once you establish your reputation as a successful venture capital firm, and when I say successful, I mean, you ge- not only do you generate high returns for your limited partner investors, but you also get or do good things for the companies that you back, right? 
the companies you back become huge. You know, they become Google as one example for Sequoia. Okay. So you get to see all the uh, the best deals and that helps you continue to generate higher than uh, market returns for your investors. And Sequoia is not just a crypto fund. They are a broad-based, they cover pretty much every industry. Now, there's damage done to investors here, obviously. They lost a bunch of their money, their limited partner's money. However, I don't think there's too many Sequoia investors who are going to say to Sequoia, yeah, we don't want access to your next fund because this isn't going to bring down Sequoia. Sequoia, it's not enough to destroy their reputation. Um, uh, the, I think they will bounce back. They will continue to raise massive funds and their limited partner base will continue to want to invest with them. So that's one consideration. They, they are very strongly positioned within VC still. Second consideration is, correct me on the numbers. I'm just reading a Wall Street Journal article here as of November said Sequoia Capital apologized to its fund investors for the $150 million it lost on crypto exchange FTX. Okay. Mike Moritz, senior partner at uh, Sequoia, can write a check for $150 million tomorrow. <laughs> he can make his, if he chooses, he can make his investors whole on that investment. He can admit, oh yeah, you know, we, we uh, our policies and procedures may have slipped a little bit on this one. Really sorry, we lost 150 million dollars, guys. Um, here you go. <laughs> you're, you're, you, you know, no harm, no foul. Here's the money. Not saying that he will do that, but it's a drop in the bucket with respect to not only the assets they manage as a firm, but in terms of the net worths of several billionaires and many centimillionaires, you know, that that work there as as partners um, in, in the firm. So. Yeah, it's uh, in the grand scheme, probably not that big a deal for them. Now, could they be subject to you know, prosecution or you know, violations, cases brought um, with respect to uh, negligence in terms of due diligence on behalf of their investors by the SEC or anyone else? Yes, perhaps. But there again, yeah, they can probably afford to write a check, not admit uh, fault pay the government and uh, move on with uh, business and life. So that's my, that's kind of how I see it. Yeah. It, it doesn't hurt them at all. Ultimately it falls under like part of the VC business model of you're going to have a, a few wins in every fund, one or two, one to three wins, and you're going to have a hundred failures. Uh, and this is just a failure of a different flavor. For any high right. worth individuals that are listening, please, can you go and find Bitcoin-only venture capital funds to lend your money towards and look for some uh, long-term gains rather than short-term quick crypto wins that's actually going to end up in a complete mess? Yep, that's right. And I have good news for anyone listening, which is if you're high net worth, you don't have access to Sequoia funds anyway. <laughs> it's institution only, as uh -huh. far as I know. Um I don't think they have very many individual LPs, probably very few. So what's going on at uh, Swan Private, Andy? Let, let's pivot to something very much more Bitcoin-focused and yeah. bullish. Yeah, I mean, look, at Swan, we're continuing to sell our clients lots of Bitcoin. Um, they had the opportunity to tax loss harvest in the bear market here, right? 
realize a loss uh, rebuy at uh, you know at at lower cost basis um make lemons out of lemonade in the bear market at least for <laughs> taxable accounts so uh so that was um a significant factor last year you know we're still onboarding tons of uh, tons of noobs and we're seeing you know i don't want to say smarter but like savvier high net worth folks realize that the bear market is the time to accumulate. And even if you don't get the timing exactly right, as long as you're accumulating through these through these troughs, uh, historically, things usually go well, assuming that the Bitcoin investment thesis is intact, which we believe it is. I certainly believe it is. Um, Swan Advisor Services, we've onboarded a bunch of financial advisors already and their clients. So they have bought Bitcoin. Financial advisor clients have bought Bitcoin um, using Swan Advisor Services, uh, it's going great, and um, yeah, it's very, very early days, as you gentlemen know. Total addressable market for Bitcoin, even just in the U.S., you know, for managed wealth is whatever tens of trillions of dollars times whatever percent gets allocated, and the percent that gets allocated to Bitcoin is tiny and growing overall, especially. Or not least because with the fallout from what's gone on in crypto, you know, all these people that had their crypto portfolio, quote unquote, that was whatever X percent Bitcoin and various percentages of all this other stuff, we get to capture, right, the market share within quote unquote crypto. And so there's, yeah, there's, there's multiple ways basically that this market uh, is going to grow for us, is going to grow for, um, for Swan and, uh, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't be uh, more excited about it. Anything? It's to just grinding, man. It's building. It's building during the bear. It's continuing to onboard, continuing to educate, 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 educate. As you both know, yeah. uh, we've been doing this for years. I'm sure we'll be doing it for years to come. And uh, well, it's so yeah, much fun, Andy. It, How the, could we stop? <laughs> and the beat goes on. And you and you get paid two hundred fifty grand to shill Swan on a on a podcast for three minutes, right? So, you know, it's like... <laughs> do I? That's news to me. <laughs> uh, I'll take my payment in Bitcoin, please. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. If only, if only we had even a fraction of the marketing dollars available in Bitcoin that uh, that crypto does. We'll see how that shakes out uh, this year. I'm definitely optimistic that. Uh, that the market share of BTC uh, marketing dollars uh, will certainly has and certainly will increase as a percentage of overall crypto. And uh, as to whether that will maintain or we'll see another altcoin pump season, just like last time, I have no idea. Uh, only time will tell. Well, we've we've got to be collectively wondering, uh, you know, when are the Bitcoin maxis going to get paid out by the SEC for blowing whistles? I mean, right. Never, I mean, never. come on. Like, did you see that tweet? Five million dollars has been awarded to a whistleblower in the case of. It could have even been the Gemini case. I, can't I remember. didn't see that. So that was a specific. That was some some crypto uh, case. Some whistleblower yeah. got paid. So the tweet was. Shitcoins are a scam. <laughs> I yeah, I blew the whistle. 
Like, uh, you know, <laughs> Corey's got to be worth what, like 25 mil now in, uh, in rewards, surely. <laughs> whistleblower. Or do, or do you have to be anonymous to be a whistleblower? Is that the thing? Like, <laughs> so I, I did uh, actually, I saw a head, headline recently. I didn't read the article, but I had, had read in the past about some of these whistleblowers, not in the context of crypto, you know, but, you know, guys that were involved in, blowing the wind whistle specifically on money laundering cases involving some of the big banks, some of the big European banks. And um, it's very specific with respect to how you get paid. There are, you know, somewhat stringent requirements. You know, you got to, you got to cooperate with the government for a long time, you know, months and or years, you basically have to help them. I think, I think you have to help them make their mm -hmm. case. Right. And actually catch the bad guys. And then of course, I'm sure there's some significant period of time delay, you know, between when you uh, blow the whistle and when you actually get paid. But there has been some um, it's real money. I mean, it's I can't remember the numbers paid out, but it's like hundreds of millions of dollars or something to, yeah, to well, whistleblowers. The, the tweet is today we announced an award of more than five million dollars to a whistleblower whose information led to a successful SEC enforcement action. Yeah. For more information about the whistleblower program and how to report a tip, visit. Then you go through to the uh, the website. Yeah. Uh, so it, and I think you do mention... have to. Yeah, I think I think it has to result in some quote unquote success. Like you know, if you blow the whistle but you can't provide enough evidence for the government to bring a case, I don't think you get paid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, funnily, that that's probably a if they could just make the visibility and awareness of those that pay out those payouts um, better uh, then that's probably your best surface area to uh, attack altcoin securities um, you know because these these teams these altcoins are are run by people who are making these choices and and you know, making decisions with probably a, it has to be a um, email threads or or at least chat room logs indicating that the decision was made to launch this thing that is a security because of you know promises of of future returns and whatever you can see in their internal dialogue. If if uh, the low level employees of these projects and exchanges become more aware that they could get paid out millions of dollars if they blow the whistle, that could that could move the needle on reining in some of the excesses and scam land. Do we know where Pavel the Durov? Sorry, Pavel Durov. How much money could Pavel Durov make? He's the founder of Telegram. Hmm. <laughs> Who I'm sure doesn't personally hold any of the encryption keys on all the Telegram uh, on all the Telegram chats. I'm sure of it. Can't possibly, I, not not possibly could uh, he have access to all those conversations and all those pump and dump uh, and promotion uh, groups in Telegram. A lot of evidence for that matter. His he's probably been inundated with three letter agency contacts over the last few years already. So he probably already has some sort of. Uh, there's probably a great trade there for place. him. Yeah, there's a great trade for him, which is yeah, you got to believe a guy like that has has a uh, several Western agencies on his tail, 
he trades a bunch of uh, evidence, you know, gets immunity from whatever other cases they may have brought against him. If you're listening, Pavel, that's the way. <laughs> Make your move. Cut your deal. What? Where do these fines go? Do you guys know? Let, let's say Gemini get fined $350 million, whatever, and carry on with your business. Where does that 350 mil go? That's a great question. I think we would probably have to account for several trillion in Pentagon spending before we really worry about uh, <laughs> where $100 million goes. But... Yeah, yeah, I honestly don't recall. Well, the bank fines, right? Let, let, let's let's uh, how many how many times have Deutsche been fined or HSBC? Like you know, you, you see it in the HSBC yeah. fined one and a half billion dollars for X Y Z, and you're like, oh, they're at it again. Okay, first of all, where point. does that money come from, and where does it yeah. go? Because are they allowed just to print that money? They have a banking license, so can they just print that and then use that to pay it off? Like and. Well, That's yes, technically, as long well, as they're, you know, not in violation. Technically, of you can. Right? Well, raise, or are you going to take ratios. it out of your depositors' accounts? Like, yeah, no. they, yeah, they probably just they probably just borrow money from a different bank, and then promise to pay that bank with with um, you know future uh, lending that they make of, of their own, right? So. Yeah, it's it's all fungible. It mostly comes from re retained earnings. I mean, these guys, other than in the global financial crisis, I mean, these guys, the banks are pretty profitable. I think that, what was the stat I heard about? J.B. Morgan had like, I don't know, eight or 10 billion of free cash flow last year. Um, pretty, uh, pretty big numbers. I think your question about, you know, the SEC fines is an interesting incentive question, incentive problem question, which is, I got to believe that when, Gensler or whoever's running whatever regulatory agency goes to make his budgetary requests. And of course, he wants to run a bigger empire, not a smaller empire. Uh, he wants to hire more people. I think I think the SEC has something like 4,000 or 4,500 employees, if I remember right. But if you can show an ROI, a return on investment in headcount, right? Like, look, look at all the fines we collected, you know, based on the good efforts of the lawyers that I hired uh, to prosecute these things, you know, fund us some more. It'll be positive ROI. It'll be positive for the coffers of the United States. And then you get into the situation, which is fines pay the government, which is great. Uh, sending people to jail costs the government money. <laughs> it doesn't it's not a profit center. It's the opposite. Yeah. Uh, running prisons costs money. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's certainly an economic incentive, uh, with respect to the business known as the federal government to levy fines, even if it means the guys don't have to admit fault, right? You get all these no fault fine settlements, pay a hundred million dollars. I think that was the case maybe in the BlockFi, uh, in the BlockFi prosecution, they paid a hundred million dollars. I don't remember if they admitted fault. I feel like maybe they didn't. Um, but, uh, yeah, government gets paid and, uh, and the business gets to continue on. Everyone wins. <laughs> Nobody has to go to jail. It's wonderful. Yeah. Everyone wins except the except poor the guys public. that had their money on the exchange or in that business. They get fucked again. Yep. And, and, and the people, <laughs> What everyone still has to do is educate themselves enough to figure out that 
I shouldn't be listening to the marketing coming from the marketing budget, coming from the leadership team heading some crypto product. Uh, I should instead be listening to the quiet pro uh, project that has no marketing budget, that has no leadership team, because it is set up in a way where we are not extracting value from the people that we lure in. And in fact, this is just math and motion. And you have to listen to the zealous believers of that, that crypto asset the one and only digital scarcity of Bitcoin in order to save yourself from being deceived by the rest of them. So it is a, it's an uphill battle for everyone to have to educate themselves, but that's, a, I guess that's growing up. That's you, you have to, you are, a, you have to admit to yourself that you're a child when it comes to digital assets, because you simply have no life experience with it. And you have to go through the process of learning what to believe in, what to trust. Uh, mm -hmm. And that means coming to grips with the fact that there are marketing budgets out there because those, those groups, those organizations are trying to lure you in to something that is not in your best interest. And then there's a, a protocol out there that uh, has no marketing budget um, because it is not trying to deceive you into anything. It is just trying to use math to um, offer you a savings vehicle for your hard-earned money it's yeah. a tough uphill battle for everyone all right guys well we'll wrap it up here i see andy's gonna head off um i'm sure you're gonna go and uh register at the uh the sec's whistleblower program <laughs> that's right you, you've seen you make some real some real money gents yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually i gotta i gotta make sure i'm not uh, burning my brussels sprouts right now my uh my, yeah. my lunch slow cook nice well guys this has been uh an awesome rip and i'm sure we'll do it again next month if not in uh, six weeks perhaps let the dust settle a little bit on some of the topics we've been talking about today then we can do a revisit and see what we had right what we had wrong um not that we've made too many predictions uh see if see if barry has barry has blown up uh yet by then by uh, gbtc yeah we didn't even touch yeah. really on gbtc who's gonna Who's going to end up being the the group that buys distressed GPTC as a as a as a you know an entity and then gets to collect? They gets to become the um, fund manager entity for GPTC and collect those management fees. That'll right. be interesting. Yeah, you want to have a guess? Fidelity. I mean, if if fidelity I was yeah, for Andy. if I was yeah. fidelity, I would be chomping at the bit for that to happen. So yeah, you're both but, thinking fidelity, yeah, all right, yeah. However, whoever does this has to be comfortable with, I mean, what what Barry has set up is an incredible roach motel to use um, Andy Edstrom's uh, phrase. Uh, and in, in the sense that money comes in and it can't leave because there's no redemption. So um, that means that all the Bitcoin that comes into GBTC, um, Barry gets to collect 2% on every year forever. It's an incredible product for Barry. Um, so he has set up a really great business for, for harvesting people's money. Um, and Fidelity is, I think, a more ethical brand. You know, they, they have a reputation um, that may not be worth 
engaging in something like that that could tarnish their reputation. So that'd be the one caveat of why Fidelity might not do it. That's a very good point. Um, counterpoint is it's kind of just like any other closed end fund. You know, all the other uh, all the other major investment firms have closed end funds. I'm actually I'm making that assumption. I I'm not sure if I can think off the top of my head of of you know closed end mutual funds that Fidelity manages, but I got to believe they have some. Um, and so, for better or worse, perhaps worse, you know, this closed end fund structure, which is permanent capital, um, you know, which uh, which pays fees in perpetuity to the manager, is actually pretty common in the investment management space. It's not common in Bitcoin. Um, fortunately, Bitcoiners are louder and don't take too kindly to uh, institutions holding big piles of uh, of coins when those would be uh, better held uh, in the tight grasp of uh, individuals custodying their own coins. Nevertheless, I bet Fidelity could uh, could get over uh, could get over it could get over the bad press. All we'll right. see. We'll see. We'll see what plays out. All right, Always guys. a pleasure, gentlemen. Yeah. This is yeah. fun. Fun Great chat. Fun. You you guys take care, Andy. Enjoy your lunch. Uh, Croesus, thanks for joining us. And uh, I look forward to the next rip. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Daniel. Talk to you soon. See you guys. Well, thank you again, Andy and Croesus, for coming on the show. And going through those many topics that we went through today, there's never enough time to talk about Bitcoin and what is going on in the wider space out there. So if you are in the wider space out there, consider extricating yourself from the wider space. People like myself, Andy and Croesus, who you've all listened to today, have been down that rabbit hole, that side rabbit hole of uh, crypto verse all the other shiny things and we learned very very quickly to climb back out of there and straight back down the bitcoin rabbit hole as quickly as we could because once you have seen it you cannot unsee it and conversations like this i hope go a long way to helping people form their own conviction around bitcoin and how bitcoin is the only game in town when it comes to the wider cryptoverse if you're listening to the other shows like the bankless one that was referenced today those guys just keep backing themselves into corners with all of these big money sponsors that they're more than happy to accept to shill these other companies that are engaging in nefarious activities it's you guys that get screwed every single time it's you guys that get screwed because it's your money that's gone it's your family's money that's gone and that's why all three of us on this call and pretty much anybody any bitcoiner that comes on this show is going to tell you the same basic things dca or fca fiat cost average dollar cost average pound cost average euro cost average Whatever currency you've been forced to earn and exchange your time and energy for, take that currency, some of it, per week and exchange it for Bitcoin. Do this slowly and deliberately. There are companies all around the world that can help you do this. The ones that sponsor this show, you know who they are. In the US are Swan. 
out of the UK and Europe, Coin Corner and Relay. You can set up these plans with them. If you want KYC free, please feel free to go and check out Hoddle Hoddle. There's a link in the show note. That is a global, global trading platform, peer-to-peer, where you can exchange your fiat for Satoshis. Then if you want to up your privacy, you can look at a CoinJoin service. If that's too early for you, don't worry. Don't worry about that yet. If you've got a stack and you're worried about the KYC attached to it, look into CoinJoining. By all means, you can look into wasabiwallet.io. That is one of the services out there and it is very easy to use. But the last thing you should be doing, and you would have heard Andy and Croesus on other podcasts talk about this, take control, not your keys, not your coins. Get a hardware wallet. You can use shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten and use the code bitten at checkout. Then you're good. You are all good. You're good to go. And just keep stacking. Keep those plans in place. Uh, Up your social layer if you can. Join an app like OPA, Orange Pill app, where you are able to meet other Bitcoiners around you, where you can go and have these conversations and share ideas and learn from each other. The plebs love learning from each other. And there is no dumb question in Bitcoin. There just isn't. So when you get head to head with somebody, ask them. What exchanges are you using? Are you KYC free? What wallets are you using? Do you have a wallet? Are you using CoinJoin? Have the discussions, but you can only have those discussions if you can meet each other in person. And if you can meet each other in person, you can draw in some other people. Before you know it, you've got a little meetup. So Orange Pill App is the solution for finding plebs around the world. So go give it a little try. You it is paid, by the way. It's a paid app because if something is free, you are the product. And it will keep away the bots and the crypto bros and the scammers. We want it to be for Bitcoiners only to find each other. And Matteo is going to be coming on the pod very soon to talk about the launch into Android. Make sure you get to a conference. If you can't afford a conference, there's a very interesting prospect coming up in June in Prague where like general admission tickets just to like... Um, like a fan zone type thing where you can watch all of the talks and hang with a bunch of other plebs and noobs, that's going to be anywhere between 10 and 50 euros or something. It's it's going to be very, very viable to get a lot of people together talking about Bitcoin. And then, of course, you're going to just meet everybody in the bars and in the restaurants. You know, any of the so-called big names, you will run into them very, very frequently Prague is a great place. It's definitely worth checking out. So just go and hit that link in the show notes. Use code BITTEN at checkout for your tickets. And look out for big announcements that they're going to be making about speakers that they've managed to secure. Get across to... I mean, Swan run their own now. That's going to be... Andy told me last night it's going to be in October on the West Coast. Swan Bitcoin. have got Pacific Bitcoin. And then you just go there and hang with all the Swan, Swan guys uh, and, and ask them as many questions as you want. And of course, the one, the big one coming up in Miami. If you want to get to Miami and hang out with all of the plebs and have a great big party and an awesome time, get across to Miami. The link is in the show notes. Code for all of these places is generally BITTEN. All caps, B-I-T-T-E-N, and that will get you some discounts. Right, I've rambled on far too long after the music. Bad as I'm going to need some longer music at this stage. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Take care. Have a great day. Stack safe. Get yourself a hardware wallet. Please take control. This is not a drill. Catch you on the next show.